of the Celebrant Talk Show. And by another, I mean, yes, this is still a podcast that is live. <laughs> Stop marking it as inactive various podcast clients just because we've had stuff going on. We've got we've got things. I'm in Mexico. Sarah is Sarah's tired. She Sarah's tired. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, I, uh, although Sarah feels that it probably is unnecessary, even though I haven't asked her, I just know Sarah well enough to know that she thinks it's not necessary. But I'm just going to address the elephant in the room right now. The reason the audio quality on this podcast might be substandard, maybe a little bit, a little worse than others, uh, is because as I was literally sitting down to record um, this podcast with uh, Sarah, I'm in uh, Baja California, Sarah, Mexico. Sarah's in Melbourne, Australia. We record remotely. Um, as we we're doing that, uh, I thought, you know what? I've got a big session tonight. I'm going to get a glass of whiskey. And uh, Sarah, I know you don't drink whiskey, but but do you know where whiskey is supposed to go once? So you, from the bottle into the glass, after the glass, do you know where the whiskey is supposed to go? Into your mouth. Correct, correct. I put it straight into the laptop. Yeah. Spam. Yeah. Uh, so we're recording this podcast on an iPhone with AirPods. Um, Sarah, for the first time in our podcast, has got better recording equipment than me. But we're just going to push on through with you. So we're just going to make the most of it. Uh, yeah. Watch this space. Yes. Um, it's Thursday, the 23rd of March in Australia at 2 o'clock p.m. What day is it in Mexico? It is Wednesday, the 22nd of March. At like uh, 8 o'clock at night, right? 8 p.m. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, random. So random. Um, cool. So we're just going to jump straight into it because we haven't done an episode since October, since before you went to Mexico, which is very poor, but, you know, that happens. Um, and we've got some shit we want to talk about today. So I've actually got, I've got, a, I've got a really quick extra topic to slide into the front sure. just because it's topical. It's happening. Uh, your friend of mine, Catherine, who has event law. She's got a, yes. are you in her little Facebook group? Of so course. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not little anymore. It's a burgeoning community. Uh, and did you see the celebrant related topic this week? Yes. Very interesting. Do you think ageism is, exists in the celebrant industry? So just to put some context around this, Catherine put up a post saying that she'd heard a lot of stuff that, um, you know, there are a lot of celebrants who market themselves as young celebrants and that they do that in a way that is saying that older celebrants are not good and so you should hire younger celebrants. And was that really appropriate, I think, is what she was getting at. And yeah, yeah. I think a lot of um, younger celebrants, well, there was a lot of talk about what equals young and there was a lot of talk about when do you age out of young? At what point do you age out of young? Um, but there was also quite a lot of discussion about the fact that it's actually not about the people who are marketing themselves as young that are the problem. It's the people who are perhaps older and have seen their work dry up because they haven't been prepared to move with the marketing times. And there's, you know, a lot of complaint about all these new young celebrants coming into the market, flooding the market, taking all of my work away. Well, that's maybe because you still think that it's okay to advertise in the yellow pages and the local paper instead of on Instagram or TikTok. So um, 
And there were quite a few celebrants in there who said, like, the word young is simply a descriptor. It doesn't have any um, any kind of judgment attached to it. it the, the point of marketing is to meet your client. And if a client is searching for young celebrant, they need to be able to find who that is. It doesn't mean that they think a young celebrant is better or worse. It might just mean that they want to be married by someone who's closer to their own age. Um, But at the other end of the scale, uh, you know, there are lots of people who might prefer to, particularly if it's their second or third marriage, they might prefer a more mature celebrant. And so it's all about adjectives without necessarily putting judgment on those adjectives. What do you I'm think? I'm very proud to say that I'm the I'm actually the youngest um, co-host of this podcast. And <laughs> yes, I, I hold are. that as a real badge of honour. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw my comments on the post, but I am. Um, uh, I, I originally marketed myself as a young, fun young celebrant. Um, and the origin of that actually had nothing to do with ageism or like obviously it is a point of difference but my first sign at the first wedding expo i did um i wrote fine young celebrant which i thought was really funny because i liked the band the fine young cannibals <laughs> and i thought that's a reference that would resonate with people nobody and, got it uh, did they Nobody got it. No, no, no. So at the ripe age of 31, I was already an old, irrelevant man. And uh, <laughs> 10 years on, I'm not much better. <laughs> um, I, I, I commented as well, saying, as I entered the celebrant industry, and it's my 15th year as a celebrant now, I copped nothing but discouragement and um, uh, just, just, just closed doors from existing celebrants, some established celebrants who may well be older. They, they were, <laughs> they were older. And so um, on varying levels, I had, yeah, just all the experiences that weren't positive with them. And so I probably went really hard on the young celebrant thing as a bit of an FU. Uh, but um, I have since kind of come around to the fact that hashtag and not all celebrants. <laughs> <laughs> and some people are actually amazing people, and I have um, devoted a large portion of my life to uh, to not just to better the celebrant community, but just um, knows if I'm some kind of celebrant savior, but just to do what I can to maybe make the industry not only a better place for the existing celebrants, but also a welcoming place for new celebrants. So if you're either of those people, that's a really big key. I believe is everyone. I think that a really big key is the word welcoming. Because I know that your experience is certainly not, um, you weren't weren't alone 15 years ago in feeling excluded or not welcomed. And that's the experience of a lot of um, people who I know in Melbourne and in other states um, who became celebrants 10 plus years ago, who felt very um, excluded and almost ostracised. And, you know, I mean, I even had somebody say to me in my first year or so, how could you possibly expect to do funerals at your age? You don't have any life experience. You haven't even died yet, Sarah. What do you, yeah, you don't know what it's like? Right. You know, so uh, I think that welcoming is a really big thing that has changed significantly in the last 10 years. I think, I think as a community, we have generally become much more welcoming. 
um, than than we used to be in general. Uh, well, I, I mean, at least I hope so. Uh, I mean, I know that when I started, it, it was very much, don't ask me how I do my marketing. That's my secret. You'll steal all my clients if I tell you. Um, but, you know, back in my first year, I met a young celebrant, Julia Hanford, who, who said, I can give you all of my tips and tricks, all of my documents, all of my everything, but you will never be me. So, and she said that with a real screwed up kind of like "fuck you" face. She's like, "I know Julia." She was like, "No, it wasn't like that." It, no, <laughs> not, it you know, it wasn't like You'll that. You'll never be me. But she was right. I never, you know, I'm not yeah, her. Exactly. She's not me. We, we, there's no problem sharing resources and strategies, which we're much better at doing now, because we are all individual. And we attract different people for different reasons. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to give a shout out to that topic, a shout out to Catherine and her Facebook group. And um, uh, it's, it's like one of the beautiful little side effects of COVID is that um, Catherine has become, well, she's become Catherine. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's a, yeah. It's, it's she good is for the, the wedding and event world. lawyer. It's great. She is. Yeah. All right, next topic. You choose. What do you want to do next? Well, I really want to talk about the big one, um, which is me. Yeah, put it. <laughs> Go. <laughs> because I know that we've got limited time and I this is the one that I feel most um, passionate about talking about today. So I, I'm going to give some history and some personal information here because I think it is important to... Uh, give context to what I think needs to be a wider discussion in 2023. I have been living with a chronic pain condition called fibromyalgia since I was nine years old. I was officially diagnosed at 27, but I fell off a veranda when I was nine and I've been in some form of pain ever since. Um, It's one of the reasons that I worked for myself. I worked really hard to find a job and a life that meant that I didn't have to go to somebody else's office and work on someone else's timeline and, uh, you know, deal with someone else's rubbish and stress and all those sorts of things. So it's one of the reasons that I became a celebrant and, um, and I worked for myself and have done for a long time. My pain has always been, or well, generally has been manageable up until recently. It's, uh, you know, I have the occasional flare where I might have to go to bed for a week and I've got amazing um, networks uh, all around and I've got people who've jumped in for me at weddings and funerals. Um, When we were doing OPD, I had my trainers jump in for me occasionally when I literally could not function. Um, that only ever lasted a day or two, you know, taking all the drugs, going to bed for a day or two, and then the flare would settle down and I could start to start to function again. It might be a few hours a day, but that was okay. It was always manageable. I could always carry my equipment, uh, walk around, um, you know, enough to get to my ceremonies and do what I needed to do. Even if that meant I was wiped out for the rest of the day and the next day, whatever, fine, doesn't matter. Um, because I love being a celebrant and I think I'm really good at it. And I, you know, figured out how to make it work. That all changed a few weeks ago when I, well, it's about seven weeks ago when I started having 
a whole new set of symptoms, um, knee pain, muscle weakness, uh, all sorts of things that were progressively getting worse. We put it down to a new flare of my fibromyalgia um, until I had a blood test that showed my inflammatory markers had gone through the roof. Fibromyalgia is not an inflammatory disorder. It doesn't make your blood test change. So suddenly the doctors were like, oh, this is clearly something else. I'm like, yeah, no shit. It feels like something else. I've been telling you that for four weeks, but okay. Um, and earlier this week, I was diagnosed with atypical inflammatory arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease. There are six different types. We don't know which one it is because my presentation is not normal because of course it's not. Um, and, you know, that's okay. So there's, you know, new medication that I'm trialing and off we go. The reason this is relevant is because my mobility became so bad about four weeks ago that I started to use a walking stick to get around. And I had a stress reaction about what that would mean for my celebrancy work. Um, there were two parts to it. The first part was that I actually couldn't function well enough to work for, for a week or so. Um, and that was pretty scary because I was like, is like, is this it? Do I have to find something else to do? Because I can't even do this anymore. Um, that's not an issue anymore, but the muscle weakness in my legs is continuing. Um, it's certainly getting better with the new medications that I'm on. But it raised an issue for me that I think we need to talk about. It's 2023 and I, to my knowledge, I cannot think of a single celebrant in Australia who uses a mobility aid on a regular basis. From memory, there was a celebrant in Adelaide who was in a wheelchair. He was registered for four years and he was never booked to do a wedding and he eventually gave up his registration. Um, I don't know of anybody else who uses a cane or a walker or a wheelchair or any other kind of visible mobility aid on a regular basis. And this kind of, you know, was a bit scary for me. I kind of went, are people going to not want to work with me anymore because I've got this extra, you know, appendage? Um, uh, are couples going to be worried about what that will look like in their photos? Are funeral directors going to be worried about um, how that looks to their families. Um, somebody said to me, well, what do other disabled celebrants do? And I'm like, I don't think there are any. <laughs> so, um, I was worried about, about how it looked and I was worried about people knowing that there's something wrong with me, which there is, and it's not a secret. It's never been a secret. I've always been very open about my health issues when they've become relevant and I've had to tell people. Um, so it's certainly not a secret. And it's not something that I'm ashamed of, but there was just worry and fear and, and shame and all the not really shores. So I texted Josh and I said, I want to talk to you about this, but I think that I'd like to do it on the podcast because I think we need to have a bigger conversation about this. And it's it's probably actually okay in 2023 that celebrants are getting around using mobility aids. I keep saying to people, my brain still works and my voice still works. 
and my hands still work to write and type. There's no reason that I can't do my job just with a bit of extra support. So, yeah. Do you, Josh, have any... Oh, no, one more thing before I get to that. If I broke my ankle and had to get around on crutches for six weeks, nobody would blink an eye. And, in fact, I know celebrants who've had to do that, who've had to even sit down at ceremonies because they've broke their ankle and they can't, um, they can't stand up. And people just go, oh, that's so awful, but aren't you wonderful for keeping on working during this time while you're, you know, struggling to get around and thank you so much for still being at our wedding and all those sorts of things. Um, why then did I think that the addition of a walking stick and a potentially permanent addition would be different from a temporary addition? And I just think it raises some really interesting issues around disability, not, not just around access, but also around, I mean, it's 2023. Dylan Orcott was the Australian of the Year last year. He's the biggest one for, okay, I'm disabled, but I can do whatever you can do. Uh, you know, society just needs to make life a bit easier for me by having ramps or, you know, whatever it is. But there shouldn't be an issue just because my legs don't work or whatever, you know, whatever the disability might be. Um, so, yeah. Josh, thoughts? I think um, if this was a few years ago, you know what, even if it was 15 or 20 years ago, uh, think about the people we went to school with and just the, the people who were kind of, you know, that you saw in community, in workplaces, it would have been a much harder pill to swallow mm. um just because everyone was more of an asshole back then mm -hmm. to wrap up that whole thing quite quickly <laughs> totally. i'm not not really excusing it it just was the way it was uh, um in the same way uh that i'm sure many australian kids um had uh, jokes about australian first nation people they told at school mm -hmm. and you do you don't do that today <laughs> and mm. So, yes, it is a different time. And uh, particularly, I think the atmosphere today is one where everyone is far more aware that none of us are normal. Um, uh, we Like, I might present as normal, you know. You might walk past me in the street. You might even be a close friend of mine and, and think, oh, Josh is normal. And, and yeah, I, I don't know, like, like, like what's the defining line between being fine or normal or okay and being not okay? And I'm actually not trying to minimise your position or anyone else's, but we're just in a place where we're realising that um, if I see a therapist, which I do, that doesn't make me in in ineligible to be a service person at weddings. <laughs> and mm. if I uh, see – because because if um, – if I said I was seeing a dietitian, the, we we wouldn't have this conversation. Like, I, it wouldn't even be something I consider. You know, oh, we should talk to Sarah about that. Like, some, seeing a dietitian be eligible to be like a you know marketable celebrant. <laughs> um, For sure. Yeah, we 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 certainly are blessed to be in a time today where we we see everyone as much more of a whole, and that each of us have got we've just got things, um, we've just got shit going on. And I think the biggest hurdle that you have, which I think you don't have, but it, 
the biggest hurdle you have is just yourself, just you getting over yourself. Um, totally. Uh, uh, you know, I mean that as in you believing this is a hurdle or, or not. Um, spot on. You know, because yep. because your your reputation precedes you. Um, your service delivery is is ace. Um, you know what? Maybe you could be creative. You could get a cool mobility thingy. Like maybe it's like a sword or like a, a like a fighting stick, like like a, like some kind of like a, like you could like be a Japanese old guy and have like a I don't know what the word is, but a, a hitting people stick kind of thing. <laughs> you know, just some creative ideas there. Sure. Um, but yeah, I Sarah, I think you're fine. Um, if anyone. If anyone was the best positioned to play with these cards you've been dealt, it's you, because no one is more, um, just uh, no one is more you than you. <laughs> like, like, like you create systems and you have policies and procedures and you have, um, like, I'm, I'm guessing, like, if you had a flare tomorrow, there's person A that you call, there's yep. person B and C. Um, I'm guessing I'm person Z. <laughs> well, you're in <laughs> you Mexico. Know, um, but exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. You're not at the top of my list, but only because you're in Mexico. <laughs> exactly. But 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 you you think of these things. Like, like yeah. how many times, how many times have, have I, and, and this is not a, this is not a word of a lie or I'm not even embellishing it. Um, how many times do I text you an idea um, just me having a crazy idea at one o'clock in the morning and you text back um, basically an essay on not necessarily how it's wrong or why it won't work, but it's like, well, here's all the things I've identified that are risks or impediments or I'm like, cool. You know, that's that's why I keep Sarah around. She has a brain that's better than mine. <laughs> different. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think so, it's a really, I think it's a really interesting, I think that if I, I think that as an established celebrant, I'm in a different position than somebody new coming into the market because I already have an existing business and people who refer me who know that my work is of a certain level, certain standard. So I think that that um, I'm really interested. I actually have a question in my pre-enrollment interview that I ask all of my potential Cert 4 students about their physical capacity. And I ask them, you know, I say them, you know, celebrants need to have a certain level of physical capacity because you might need to carry equipment a long way. You might need to walk on uneven surfaces. You might need to work outside in, um, you know, unforgiving weather. How do you, like, how are you going to manage as a celebrant? And since I've had this issue, I've been rethinking that question I still actually think it's an important question because if somebody does have an access or support requirement, they need to think about it before they become a celebrant, how they're going to manage it. It doesn't mean they shouldn't become a celebrant. It means they need to think about what accommodations they are going to need. So, for example, I've got my stick, but I also have a big wedding in um, regional Victoria next weekend, and I have hired a local celebrant. Um, I'm I'm driving up the night before. I'm staying in a hotel, and she will pick me up from the hotel. She will set up my PA system. She'll lug all of my equipment, and then she'll take me back to the hotel, and I'm staying another night before I drive home on the Sunday. I'm 
so I'm not driving either side of the of the wedding t- so that I can manage my energy levels. I'm hiring a roadie to look after my equipment and I'm, you know, I'm, I've put those things in place. Yes, those things cost money and that means that my profit margin is lower on that job, but it means that I can still work. So I think it's important that, um, that we kind of have this, it's not, this is not necessarily a barrier to working anymore. We just need to be aware of what accommodations we might need and be prepared to put our hand up and say, this is what I need to do this, to do this work. I I was reminded of when I got so sick at that wedding in January last year that I wrote about on the blog. Um, For those of you who haven't read it, I was, I vomited mid-ceremony on a very hot day in Melbourne last year. And part of that, I would (laughs) never forget. Um, I, part of that, I believe was because I got to that ceremony too early. I stood around outside in the heat with not enough water and not enough shade. And I stood around because I have this weird thing that in order to be, to look professional, I have to be standing up. And I'm pretty sure I can trace it back to my second ever job working at Williams the Schumann at Chatterton Shopping Centre in year 11 and the boss there was really militant about this. There was no sitting. There was no kneeling. It was very much you were on your feet the whole shift. There were signs all over the place saying, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. Um, it was, you know, for him it was a it's really a big. great slogan. I know. <laughs> it was a really big, if you're sitting down, you are not professional. And so I've got this stuck in my head and now I, it seems to be carrying on to my celebrant work, which is kind of ridiculous like when I get to a funeral, I always get there half an hour before and the funeral staff are all standing up because they have a job to do. They're welcoming the guests. They're having them sign the memorial pages. They're giving out the um, the booklets. I don't have a job to do at that point. There is literally no reason for me to be on my feet um, spending my limited energy at that point. So... Um, I think you're right. I am the only hurdle here. Me and my capitalist patriarchal views of what professionalism means. Um, And I think that this is worth, I just think this is worth a wider discussion because there's probably a lot of celebrants out there who are nodding and going, yeah, why, why shouldn't you use your walking stick? That's totally fine. But then we've also got a lot of celebrants who are like, how could you ever swear in a ceremony that is not professional? Like, what does professional mean? What does being professional mean? To me, being professional means giving the couple the ceremony they want. And if that involves a swear word or two, because it's important to them, I'm going to throw in a swear word or two because that's what they've booked me for. Um, it's So it's this really interesting, what does professional mean? What does it mean to, to look like a celebrant? What does a celebrant look like? I remember going to a, a conference presentation in 2019 where one of the presenters said, as a female celebrant, you should always wear skirts or dresses. <laughs> Even to meetings. Below the knees as well. <laughs> Blow, none, Even to none, meetings. None of this you should, slutty stuff. <laughs> you should never wear jeans or trousers <laughs> as a female celebrant. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? It's 2019. So... Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, it's a really... Can I point out a takeaway that I think you would gloss over because you're you, mm. but this is probably a takeaway for me and others. And if you haven't if you haven't noticed it already, I'll point it out to everyone listening. The uh, yeah, the takeaway. It's it's really simple. Uh, really self-analyze and look at yourself and think like, like what do I need to do to do a good job? Mm. So I think professionalism is just doing a good a good job. And now there are, there are there are market forces, you know. Like if 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 a couple saw you and they're like, oh, Sarah's professional, and then they book me, they're like, Josh is unprofessional. <laughs> like if, if 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 they only have two data points on what a professional celebrant is, you're one and I want I'm one, then I come out scarred. So there are, there are market forces there that are uh, you, you like swearing in a ceremony, mm. for example. That is, uh, I. Like, like, I feel like the market would say, you know, if it's appropriate, if there's a place, if it's funny, yeah. do it. But like, if you're just, um, if you're just for no center, yeah, yeah, you'd probably be classified as unprofessional. Yeah, um, but yeah, but I think the takeaway is just to really self-analyze and say, what do I need to do? Like, what kind of life do I need to live? What kind of practice do I need to develop? What kind of business um, product packages? Etc. Do I need to develop for me to do this job as a celebrant? And you know, like uh, you know, you spending two nights accommodation. Oh, well, where are you going? What, what, what kind of regional? Victoria? There you go. Yeah. So it was like a twelve hour, two and a half hour yeah. drive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So many of us would be like, ah, two and a half hours. That's fine. I can do that in one day. But that's not a rule. That's you. You can look at that and say, oh, that's too much in one day. I'm going to yeah. do the accommodation. Um. And so there's no right and wrongs here, but it's like uh, I'm a massive advocate of people having really good PA systems. But if you firmly believe in your heart that you can do a job without a do the celebrant job without a PA system, first of all, you're wrong. But second of all, <laughs> good on you. Like, like you've decided that this is how you can do the job. Um, no, he's better so, one for that though. If you decide yeah. you can do a fine job with a PA system that is not to Josh's standard. <laughs> You're also wrong. But in the last few weeks, I've got a big PA system and a little PA system. And I have been, that little one is designed for shopping centre spruikers. So it's got a handle and it's really light and it's very small. It's the loudest thing you've ever heard. The sound quality is, you know, tinny, but it's really loud. I have been taking that to my short and sweet therapy because there is really no need for me to lug and set up the big PA at a 10-minute ceremony or a seven-minute ceremony um, when this one does just as well and I need to get over myself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it's that self-awareness of um, all the things. Like I uh, I think about this in a, in, in a weirder sense than everyone else that you, particularly self-employed people, particularly you, Sarah, um, you need to have a break. You, you've mm. got to have a, God forbid, like one day off, like like a like a slave, or maybe two days off if you're like a, you know, <laughs> regular Aussie, um, a week. Um, uh, as self-employed people, at least four weeks leave a year, if mm. not eight or twelve, mate. Like you know, like we've we've decided to live a live a, a job, which I have a job, and to live a life that allows us freedom. But it's not freedom. If you don't take the freedom, if you don't take it. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, like like if if you 
if you've been if you've been locked in a room and I come along and unlock the door and open it and you stay in the room, you're no better or worse off than me giving you freedom. Yeah. And so it's not just about utilizing the freedom of having your day off and being like, woohoo, we're going to Bali, but it's like, no, no, to be a, to be the best celebrant I can, you know, next August on a Saturday afternoon in Bendigo, um, I need to live a life where I've just had a break. So that mm. on that Saturday afternoon, I turn up and I'm not in a crappy mood and I'm and I'm I'm happily married or whatever it might be. Well, whatever your life situation is that is your best operating um, environment, you need to invest in that today. You know, like like if, if I mentioned marriage, like if you um, if you're blessed to be in an amazing marriage with someone you love and they make you better, which is I can say that for me. Um, and I know that my practice as a marriage celebrant is better because I'm married. Then if I book a wedding for 18 months away, part of me in doing that, and this is really weird, but part of me is like, well, I need to live a life where I'm happily married. Because <laughs> me being happily married is part of my thing with being a good celebrant. So I've got to have a day off. I've got to, you know, whatever it is you've got to do. Um, and so I don't really, like I wasn't attending to kind of highlight things like marriage or having a day off, but just being self-aware enough to say, I need to set up a complete environment for me to be a good celebrant. Um, in fact, I'll give you one more thing off that. Uh, Rick Rubin, do you know who Rick, Ru- uh, Rick Rubin is? No. He is the name behind most people's favourite songs. He's an amazing music producer, just a, a talent. Um, he was on a podcast I listened to recently. Um, awesome guy. Just if you see a Rick Rubin book or podcast, it's just a, a beautiful read. Uh, but he was quoting someone else who I can't remember. And he said, um, the, the person who was quoting said, you don't make art you make an environment where art becomes inevitable. And so if I was to kind of, if I was to bring that around to celebrancy, like you, you want to create an environment where you being an awesome celebrant just becomes inevitable. That's so good. I love that. Yeah, it's good. It's very wise. Look at these wise people out there saying wise things. Yeah, it's nice we get to listen to the podcast with people. Yeah. So um, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's good. And, look, I have been, I've actually been really heartened since I've been using the stick. I've been really heartened that people have not really blinked. Like I turned up to a wedding on Friday. I'd only met the couple on Zoom. I hadn't mentioned it to them. Nobody even looked at me. They just were like, no, oh, hi, no, Sarah. No one cares. No one cares. I care way more, like I'm way more worried about it than they are. The funeral directors who know me are like, oh, are you okay? Is everything all right? But that's out of concern rather than out of, oh, she can't do her job. It's, you know, concern for me as a person. So yeah, you're right. We have to get over right. ourselves. Yay for we, disabled um, celebrants. We... we can totally do it. <laughs> yeah, amen. Get, get ahead of yourself. <laughs> uh, we've got a big podcast with lots of topics to get to, but I have one more question on this point. Um, have you, A, hit anyone, or B, wanted to hit someone with the stick yet? <laughs> Not yet, but someone did say to me recently, this will be a great addition for you walking back your car late at night. Absolutely, absolutely. Any weapon is a good weapon. I think that's what they say, isn't it? <laughs> 
And just on the cool walking stick thing, I have actually found the designer who made Selma Blair's cane on the red carpet last year and also Christina Applegate's that she's been using at the SAG Awards this year. Um, and you can buy direct from her, but she's very expensive. So I'll just deal with my $12 cane from the chemist for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving from actual intelligence to something a little bit more artificial. Um, Sarah, when, when I messaged you about um, the new AI chat things got to go that are going on and chat GPT and particularly the Bing, uh, Bing chat, AI chat. Um, did I come across as overexcited to you? Yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, not just overexcited, but like someone who needs a new hobby. <laughs> well, you would be happy to know I have not got a new hobby yet and no, I'm I still haven't. excited. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I, I just wanted to highlight something. Um, I feel like particularly in small business crowds, I don't, I don't want to say particularly celebrants, but small business crowds, solo operators, particularly in the wedding creative spaces, which everyone listening is in, uh, we, we sometimes miss boats or we complain about missing boats and that kind of thing. And I just wanted to highlight that a boat hasn't left yet. And it's just, just a particular boat you might want to be aware of. And that is, um, there's a collection of new AI chat systems. Uh, hands up if you've heard of ChatGPT, um, uh, Bing, uh, which is also using ChatGPT. Um, uh, Google has got Bard. Uh, DeepMind has one called Allure, I think. There's there's a bunch of these things. So this you, is the thing that's freaking me out, is that we went from having no AI tools to like them all dropping at once. Yeah, it's a, because it's a market thing. It's like uh, everyone's been working on this stuff for years. Like ChatGPT is uh, many, I think at least 10 years in the, in the, in the making. Uh, the, the version of ChatGPT that blew up in the news, that came out in like 2019, 2020. Yeah, and right. a new one just released last week. And so it's not new, new, but it's, it's made the news. People are getting excited. And the reason people are getting excited is because it's actually pretty crazy. If you get onto say the new Bing, go to bing.com slash new and try the new Bing chat. It's actually quite helpful. Now it's not perfect. I've shown a few friends like, aha, I found a problem with that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a brand new thing. But people, you know how today you go to google.com and you search for best celebrant, I don't know, best celebrant Shugan. Um, and that's maybe how you're expecting to find a uh, celebrant or whatever keywords or things you might be thinking uh, are being used to find you. Young celebrant. That is going to change. Young <laughs> celebrant. Best, best fun young male celebrant in Chugan, comma, Queensland, comma, Australia. <laughs> um, that is going to change over the next year. Uh, I think it's highly likely that within one year that uh, going to google.com, putting in a search phrase and getting your top 10 results back, that won't exist in a year. Okay, can I we can't just mark the date? Thing. It's the 23rd yeah, of March, the... 2023. Yep. And Josh is saying that within 12 months, you will no longer get a list of results on Google. Instead, it will be a, a chat with a with an AI system. Whether it's Bing or Google's um 
I feel I feel potentially Bing could have a real swing at this. Um, I feel that Microsoft, uh, who owns Bing, that they are really well positioned to have a win. They've got nothing to lose. Google's got everything to lose. And they kind of call Google sleeping. You know, that's not to say Google can't win this race. Anyway, who wins the race doesn't matter. What matters is how celebrants and other winning suppliers are going to be found is going to change. And being front page of Google, top one, top five in Google, that's just not going to matter. Instead, if you go to bing.com slash new, new Bing chat, and use the you know, use that, uh, he's asking something really not, I don't know whether anyone would actually ask this, but ask her who the best celebrant in Australia is. Uh, you're going to find that it's going to recommend um, a young celebrant in Adelaide who's lovely and a couple of other people, three two or three people around the country who I hadn't, hadn't really heard of because it is sourcing this information and decided these things. And So where the, is it sourcing that information from? Well, this is the whole chat I wanted to have today. Luckily, Bing's, Bing's AI chat is currently showing sources. Um, is also showing sources. ChatGPT, if you want to try ChatGPT, it's um, the website is chat.openai.com. Um, you can ask it for its sources. And um, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think it's directly giving you the sources to the tab to the data I've just showed you. It feels more conversational. Um, but but yeah, it's still giving you some kind of idea of sources. Um, but yeah, Bing, for example, it will show you that you got it from this website and that website and that website. Um, I asked ChatGPT this morning um, who its sources were for this query. And, um, two of the websites it gave me um, were websites I'd never heard of before. And one of them had shut down and one of them was the most butt ugly wedding directory you've ever found. <laughs> I and, and and the thing is, whenever I find one of these sources for the chat, the AI chat, I'm like, well, if I can be on there, that is a signal I can throw to that system to say, Josh Withers is someone that should be found. But whenever I find, um, whenever I find one of these websites, uh, like the one I'm thinking of, it was like three hundred dollars a year, and it was an ugly, terrible, horrible website. No one's using this website to find a celebrant or anyone. It just so happens that it's found the graces of ChatGPT, and I don't know whether that'll last. So, anyway, there um, Bing does show you the sources, and I'm not going to name all the names. You can go to bing.com slash new right now and try it, and you're going to find some websites that you have um, probably got some kind of relationship, positive or negative, with that have been listed there, and um, if you want to be found through the chat AI systems, you may want to either A, just submit to those sources, or B, try to create new sources of information. Um, I'm trying to do both because I'm a nerd and I like doing hard work. Um, but this is a brand new frontier. It's merely, it's weeks old. Like this is day zero this is like 1999 in google world like it's nothing from here on there's going to be new ways to be found in these systems they'll probably there'll be like uh, the google webmasters and the bing webmaster and the bing places and google business and all of these tools that hopefully everyone's familiar with they will source from those places 
Uh, so it doesn't hurt to jump on to the Bing, uh, I think it's the Bing business places um, and the Bing search console and the Google search console. And just make sure that your websites and your different platforms are on there properly, correctly, they're on brand. Um, uh, like I'll, I'll tell you a little thing for me is that a few of these places, I was still known as Married by Josh. In a few of them, I was Josh Withers' marriage celebrant. And then a few was Josh Withers' wedding celebrant. I'm like, well, I'm going to change all of them to Josh Withers' wedding celebrant. Yeah. Because you just need to uh, smooth those rough edges. Um, so it wouldn't hurt to, you know, like I said, jump onto the Bing uh, business places. Sorry, if I hadn't poured whiskey on my laptop, I'd be able to tell you the actual name. <laughs> but, uh, so here's, but here's a question. Yeah. Will the will the AI stuff be sourcing information from a different place than the search engines already do? For example, to get to the top of um, the Google search, you've got a you've got a strong website that has SEO that's got backlinks, you know. But it's it's mainly about the information that your website presents, yeah. Whereas it sounds like the AI is looking at all sorts of different sources and maybe maybe our website is no longer the owner of truth. This is this is a really interesting conversation because A, it's like I said, it's day zero. Um, B, uh, some, some of the different systems are working on not live data. So if you use, if you use chat GPT, the website for that is the website for that is chat.openai.com. Um, if you ask it something, like if you ask it who's the best wedding celebrant, it'll actively tell you, I only have data up until September 2021. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because it and well, chat GPT can't um, it can't search the web. So mm-hmm. so chat so chat GPT um, formed uh, I think the I think the proper word for it is a dictionary. It formed a dictionary, which was set in concrete in um, September 2021, and that is the world that it knows. So it doesn't know that Trump didn't win the election. Um, you know, it doesn't know that uh, whichever famous celebrity died, died. Because um, it doesn't, it's not checking the web. Now, Bing apparently is, but also you don't know to what frequency. Like, you don't know how fresh, like, same with Google. Like, if you go and update your website um, today, Google takes three to six months to kind of really know that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so so there's always a delay with these things. Uh, but as far as being the source of truth, um, I can tell you that there are things on my website which aren't listed on any other website, which Bing's chat has referenced about me. Now, this hasn't been in a general best celebrant in blah, blah place or any of that kind of like general speaking. But uh, if you want to if, if you want to have some fun, ask it. So tell me everything you know about Josh Withers' wedding celebrant or insert your name here. And and it tells you everything. <laughs> and you can you can ask it questions. Like, um, uh, for example, it was very sure that a username of, uh, for me on a certain social network was, was one thing. And I said, that's actually incorrect. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll correct it. And it took the updated information. So it's um it is like your website still is and should be the source of truth mm-hmm. for you. I think what'll change is 
what signals do we need to display to the market? Because honestly, we don't even know. I don't know. No. Uh, you know, like um, I'm not here to kind of tell you like, hey guys, there's a storm coming. Here's how to weather it. I'm saying a storm's coming. Here's how we've weathered other storms. But there'll probably be new and fresh information next week that you should be aware of. And I don't know, just keep an ear open. If you see me publish something on the Celebrant Institute, if you're on no, not news.com.au, but if you're if you're on a legitimate proper website and you see something about it, read the article. Like this yeah. is something that, that I think you should be aware of because how you've been found before now will be different in a year. And that's my wrap. It's quite terrifying. Well, look, things always change. I mean, it's exciting, but it's, it's yeah, it's just a lot to think about and it's a lot to hey. process. But as have you, you say. Down and actually, like, have you used one of, one of the chats? No, yet? I've just, the, the you have sent me many screenshots, which have amused me to no end. And look, a lot of the data there has been wrong, like a chat GPT. Yeah. Um, so, so my, my favorite way to trick them up. So this is how I test any of the new AI systems. Um, I'll ask it. Yeah. If a couple want to get married in Australia on the 30th of March, 2024, what is the, uh, what is the latest date they can submit a notice of intent of marriage? Mm-hmm. Because 2024 is a leap year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the correct answer is February 29, but it's one of those. It's one of those questions that really requires the AI system to, to be pretty good. Yeah. And ChatGPT didn't get it. <laughs> it was That's really struggling with it. So here's another question. Uh, just one more question on this: If ChatGPT has a dictionary uh, up to the September 2021, who decided what went in that dictionary, and is that potentially a source of limitation? Like, is that was yeah, it a bunch yeah. of white men? sitting around a boardroom, like, you know, who who generally make up tech companies and startups, um, you know, is that a potential limitation? Look, there's been enough news articles and, you know, scandalous news articles over the last five, ten years with Google Assistant, Amazon Alexa, Siri. Um, I don't know if you remember when Face ID first came out. Was that like five, six years ago? Mm-hmm. And uh, they... Um, the face ID didn't work. I didn't think it work. didn't work in African-American places. Yeah. Uh, Africa, African-American faces, sorry. Um, we've kind of gone through enough of those that they work really hard to not have that same failure of judgment. Um, probably the, the biggest thing that you should be aware of today is that all of these online systems, so if you had a Bing, ChatGPT, Google's Bard, whatever it is, something that doesn't run on your computer, runs in a web browser. Those places have got very strong guardrails up, high and strong guardrails. Like if you if you go to any of them and start talking about sexual stuff or, you know, what's the average size of a, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. very quickly it shuts down the whole thing because mm-hmm. uh, particularly in these early days, it just doesn't want to be a part of a screenshot. Like, oh, my God, can you imagine? Look at this Bing thinks the average size is this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it just doesn't want to be it just doesn't want to be a screenshot. It just doesn't want to be that news article. Yeah. Uh, so that's really safe. Um, but as we've found many times in the past, that safety, um, as much as we can get to a place where like this is very, 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 very safe, 
it kind of does exclude some people because I don't know, like uh, I might think porn is positive or negative and you might think porn is the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you're not right or wrong, like as long as we're in the realms of the law. Um, and so something that happened uh, with Apple like, two or three years ago, they started a new system where if a child, so under 18, if a child um, was accessing certain kinds of information, it, Apple was going to alert the parents that, hey, your child is accessing this kind of information. Now, you won't hear me say that. I think this is great. Like, yeah, you know, I don't want my child accessing the things you can imagine you don't mm. want a child accessing. But then there were parts of the community that, where if a child was unsafe, um, mm-hmm. then they would become more unsafe yeah. <laughs> because of that. And, totally. and honestly, these kind of guardrails are really, really hard to manage. Mm. Um, because if I've decided that on my home Wi-Fi, these are the things you cannot access, and then you come by my place and jump on the Wi-Fi, and you're like, oh, I can't access mm. this at Withers' house? Like, what? what's going on there? Um, and for you and me, that might be fine because we're adults and we can yeah, mm. turn it to our phone. But for other people, those guardrails might be limiting. And I think that's an interesting conversation. So I think where the real strength is going to be, and you can already do this with image creation. You've seen the AI image generators. Mm-hmm. So you can get one for your home, for your home Mac. Uh, it's called Diffusion B, B double E. It's a big file, big download. Um, and you can download that to your Mac and there's no guardrails on that to the point where I'm like, I was just testing it the other day. Oh, I wonder how, like how low are the guardrails? And I entered a search phrase. I'm like, oh, there are, there are no guardrails here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. Okay. That, that image was displayed on my laptop. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, AFP but... comes crashing through the door or the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because there are yeah. no guardrails. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Look, I have to say this is the first time since I've known you that something, you know, truly new and cutting edge has come up. There's been, you know, there's been all sorts of things that you've, over the years, you've messaged me and gone, oh, have you heard of this piece of software? Have you tried this app or whatever? But this time it, it feels like a game changer in all sorts of ways and I'm quite fascinated to sit here and watch you play with it. <laughs> and you can, well, I look forward uh, to being that source of information. And figure it out and, uh, you know, start to filter it out to the rest of us. Um, now, I'm um, staying on nerdy things just for a second. Hmm. Uh, I'm imagining everyone listening to this probably got an email from us this week um, about changing email systems. I mainly want to do that just to make sure it was going to bloody work. But also to say, hey, some of you might have unsubscribed and this is your chance to do it again. I'm really sorry. Um, but Luke, I'm married by Luke, um, messaged Luke asking, what? Luke the G. Um, uh, message asking, like, what did I change to? And so I just want to quickly talk about email for a second. Uh, just because Luke asked, I think it's interesting for people and it's also really boring. So I'll try and do it really quickly and efficiently. Sending an email is hell. Mm-hmm. basically <laughs> yeah we got into this first because sarah you with the celebrant institute rco which is a different computer system to the normal celebrant institute because there's there's students and there's 
government whateverism. It's, a, it's just a completely different system. Um, there's, there's emails that get sent out to students, and they just weren't getting in inboxes, were they? They just weren't turning up. Mm-hmm. No. So we embarked on a journey in trying to make that happen. There were free ways that came with the software, but it was still ending up in spam, or in some cases, just not even actually being delivered. It just wouldn't turn up, um, which eventually pushed me over the edge to say, I think we need to get an email transaction, a transactional email provider. There's a number of these. For no real interesting reason, we chose Mailgun. There's others. I can't. Like, Mailgun's been fine. Part of me thinks I would have rather someone else, but, you know, here we are. Like, it's just, it's a, what Mailgun does is Sarah wants to send one email or a million emails. Sarah goes, hey, Mailgun, can you send these emails for me? And Mailgun does the sending. And what they promise is that they're really good at sending email. Uh, so we did that. Now, the monthly email to all the celebrants that goes out every every um, first area of every month goes out to about 11,000 celebrants around the world. That um, that was getting sent by a member full. And I know that for 95% of the recipients that ended up in spam and no one ever read it, uh, which sucked. And so I realized with memberful that we could hook that up to Mailgun as well. So I did that. I thought, this is great. And I sent the March 1 uh, email and it still just went to spam for everyone because that part of memberful didn't support Mailgun. Anyway, I'm getting boring into the weeds here. So to answer Luke's question, what I've done is I've actually set up our own little, as I described it to you, Sarah, our own little MailChimp. Um, imagine MailChimp, but it's ours and we own it. It's on our computer. We run it. Um, we get to set aside how much to pay for it. And so uh, Mailgun has a monthly fee of, uh, from memory, is it $40 a month maybe? I don't know. You set it up. Yeah, I think it's forty odd dollars a month to send all the emails for the Celebrant Institute and the RTO and all that. Um, List Monk is essentially free unless we sometimes somehow get to some large capacity where we need to buy more service space. It might get to five or eight dollars a month, um, but that's essentially free, and that's the thing with email. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about it was a to answer Luke's question, um, b to say. If you find that your emails are going to spam or if you have emails that aren't being replied to, um, there are things you can do that will help that. The problem is they're just not that easy and you need to get a nerd involved. So if you're struggling with that, please uh, get a nerd involved. If you're a friend of mine, your profile will just do it for you for free because I'm a sucker like that. I just really hate my friend's emails. <laughs> not getting answered. Um, the fact of the matter is it's a couple of hours work. So... If you're having trouble getting emails out um, or if you're doing uh, newsletter emails, uh, I can recommend ListMonk and Mailgun. They're working for us fine. Uh, on the 1st of April, we'll send out the first official proper email with ListMonk and hoping and praying to God that maybe it gets read by more than 5% of the population. And uh, that's emails for you. It's the, just I think it's... Hell, the old email system. I do think it's worth remembering, though, that the recipient software so if you have a hotmail address or a gmail address or you know whatever it is the recipients are getting better every day at weeding out spam and there's only so much you can do as the sender so this is something that i see in the tave user group all the time on facebook tave is 
as most of you will know, is the customer relationship management software that I use. Probably every day, there's another um, there's another post in the Facebook user group saying my emails are going to spam. They never used to, but now they are. It's Tave's fault, and I'm like. I don't actually think it is Tave's fault. I think that there are certain things that Tave can do and probably is keeping on top of them as much as they can. Um, But I find that I sent an email to someone six months ago that got their fine and now I've sent them an email to the same address from my Gmail account and it's ended up in their spam because the recipient software is changing and updating those algorithms and those spam filters all the time. So... I think that it's worth that, yes, there are things that we can do, but sometimes we're going to need to implement a second um, approach. So when I get an inquiry through Tave that I then email back through Tave, I also ask in my contact form for their phone number and I send them a text. I know it's an extra step. It's annoying. Probably takes approximately 30 seconds. I send them a text and I say, hey, blah, blah, I've just responded to your celebrant inquiry. If you can't find my email in your inbox, it may be in your spam folder. Thanks so much, Sarah Ed, Civil Celebrant. That's it. Sometimes I never hear back from them. Sometimes I, you know, a text or an email back going, oh, it wasn't my spam. Thanks so much. Same thing when I send a funeral script. I always tell my families, I am going, when I send this to you, I will always send you a text because it will probably end up in your spam. Even though, you know, my address is pretty safe and all those sorts of things, these recipient software programs are changing all the time. So, yes, this is working for us really well right now. Who knows how long it will continue to work really well for. Yeah, and I'll add on to that to say, check your bloody spam folder. Don't, oh, please like, I do check it every the day. spam folder. <laughs> Yeah. The number of people who have been deregistered as celebrants because their invoices went to their spam folder, I can't even tell you. Check your spam folder. Yes. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, make it a part of your, um, for me, daily routine. Maybe I might get one or two emails a week out of the maybe 400 emails I get in there that I'm like, oh, the, that email went to spam and it shouldn't have. And the secret is when you see that, you click in you know, whatever your email system, each each one has a different wording, uh, but just like mark it as not spam or not junk or whatever whatever the button is, whatever the action is to say, hey, dude, not spam here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I think we have one topic one left, One more Sarah. topic. It's yours. One more topic. Do it. Yeah. At the uh, November 2020, uh, what was the last year? 2022. Where are the years going, Sarah? What happens? <laughs> what, is, what does time mean? Um, at the November 2022 meeting um, with all the uh, Celebrant Associations and Networks at the um, uh, Attorney General's office uh, that, we, that we went to, um, something that I brought up, I can't, can't remember if I brought it up in part before you left, Sarah. I know you had, you had a plane to No, it was afterwards. And all of us. Yeah, all of us were rambling a little bit, but I brought it. So I brought it. I brought it up with them after you left, and then I got talking to all the celebrants um, over cocktails later. Uh, my 2023 project is I want to see some changes made to the Marriage Act. Now, I'm going to suggest some things, 
and Sarah or other people um, might not agree with me, and that's fine. Guess what? We live in a democracy. Uh, well, I don't. I live in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> only for another three weeks, though. Um, and uh, but yeah, we. Well, I'm, a, I'm an Australian citizen, so I'm a citizen of a democracy, and we get to um, actually be involved in not just um, the governance of our country, but the making of laws, the changing of laws, and the Marriage Act has been changed a number of times before, and so. Uh, and most recently, um, yeah, there's been some changes to the financial things. Uh, you might notice some people in the community who couldn't marry can now marry. Um, so uh, the marriage act changing is fine and okay. And there are some things I would like to see changed. So my hope is that through this podcast, through the Celebrant Institute website, through our email list, we can gather um, a list of changes and perhaps over the next few months come to some kind of consensus as a community that here are our X number of things and we submit them to our members of parliament and we see if we can't make the marriage act just a little bit better. Because in this year, this is the 50th year of the marriage act of 1961, uh, sorry, the 50th year of celebrants being appointed. Um, that's obviously more than 50 years since 1961. <laughs> I am... Um, uh, I think that the marriage act and the celebrancy uh, practice is one of the most progressive um, marriage acts and marriage practices in the world. Uh, like I, um, so before I come home to Australia in late August, I'll be doing weddings in France and Italy and America and Mexico. And um, each of those countries is really messed up as to how to get married. It's not simple. There's no, yeah, anyway, Australia is the best. <laughs> as much as I think we have the best marriage legislation, the most progressive marriage legislation, I think it could be a little bit better. So before I rattle off my list, Sarah, uh, is there something in the marriage act that you're like, this is so frustrating, it needs to change? Well, there are just some, I mean, there are some modernisations for one thing, you know, not well, this requiring. Well, I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not requiring the Donlim printed on the back of one of the BDM copy of the OCM. Like that's just that's a, one of mine. yeah. Um, and that's just a, such a, it's seemingly small, but it's one of those ridiculous things that comes up all the time. Um, not, they're not being a requirement to hand the form 15 to the couple immediately following solemnization of the marriage. Because what happens at the moment is that a lot of celebrants hand it to the couple and take it back again <laughs> so that they've met their obligation under the Act. But what's the couple going to do with it? They're going off to have their party. So, like, you know, a few of those things, things like having to print two copies of the OCM even if you live in one of the states that has electronic registration and you only require one. Um, those small modernisation things. I know, Josh, that you also have your eye on some larger things that are around the entire, you know, way we do marriage in this country. But I would like to at least start with those small modernization things. Yeah, there's two on um, two on my list, and one um, is not even my idea. It's actually and something that will be spearheaded by someone else. Um, and I'll start with that one. It's just the. Um, uh, 
the the regulation around who you can marry. Um, so there's prohibited relationships that um, that prohibited relationship. I'm not even the person to speak most qualified on it, but the prohibited relationship stuff just needs to be cleaned up and modernised. And please hear me when I say this: not modernised to be more liberal, modernised to be more medically safe. Um, um, uh, this isn't like a slippery slope thing where like we can just marry everyone now. <laughs> but um, there's yeah, there's 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 probably people that should be prohibited from getting married that aren't kind of in so, that kind of a little list. So let me explain what that loophole is that Josh is talking about. And this has been brought up to both of us um, by a celebrant in Queensland who works for another training organisation and was at that meeting in November. You are not allowed to marry your father or you, or the father's daughter because of genetics, basically. You are, however, allowed to marry your uncle. And what if your uncle is your father's identical twin? Therefore, there's no, there's a genetic issue because it's the same as marrying your father genetically, but under the Marriage Act, there is no problem with you marrying your father's identical twin. So that is what, uh, that is the issue that's yeah. been that's been brought up, that little loophole that, you know, most of us wouldn't have even thought about but um, is indeed something to be fixed. There's also, um, twins. Oh, you go. There's also a couple of other things that, that celebrants have been bringing up that need to be tightened up, things like the Marriage Act does not actually say we need to cite a birth certificate for proof of date and place of birth. It says we need to cite an entry in a register that in a government register that displays date and place of birth. A change of name certificate is an entry in a government register that displays date and place of birth. So why is that not acceptable? Yeah, lots of little things like this. Yeah. I, I just feel, I feel, I feel like um, they just need to go through the act with a, with a modern kind of like If anyone with a monocle of intelligence just sat down and rewrote the thing today, it would be fine. Yeah. But it's just got this legacy... Um, I was going to say legacy code as opposed to talking on a tech podcast. Uh, it's, it's just got these legacy words, legacy phrases. Yeah. Um, uh, but side note on twins, my two daughters, Luna and Goldie, um, Luna's four, Goldie's two, but they're twins because they came from the same IVF procedure. Ooh. But did they yeah. come from the same? No, but did they come from the same egg? That was then split. No, so it's, that's the same. It was, it as was a, regular siblings. Uh, but but you can be twins if there's two eggs and two sperms and you're born at the same time. Yeah, but that's um that's fraternal twins. I mean, yeah, yeah, under yeah, that, yeah, yeah. every sibling is a fraternal twin. Okay. All right. Well. Look, thanks for the winning thing, Sarah. All Sorry. right, the thing that I want to change, <laughs> um, the, the main thing that I want to change, if, uh, the, like everything else is important to me, but the main thing is that's important to me. Uh, I think the notice of intended marriage, um, the length of notice required is pretty ancient um, and not representative of the society we live in today and the, well, just the society we live in today. Now, if it was up to me, I think probably some notice is required. So you just don't, I, I, like, I hate that we have to chuck Britney Spears under the bus every time we do this, but so you don't chuck her Britney <laughs> and um, get married on a whim. Uh, but whether that's um, uh, notice in a number of hours or notice in a number of days um, or at most a week, 
Um, I just, I think, I think that that part of the legislation um, for 99.99% of the couples getting married in Australia today, it just wouldn't even matter to them. And they were planning to get married in 18 months anyway. But for the 0.01% where it does really matter, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of red tape to just get someone married. Um, and I think the whole the whole thing exists to stop drunk people getting married in Vegas. I'm like, well, we just don't have that culture. And sure, maybe put like I wonder I wonder how much how many Vegas marriages would not go ahead if there was like a one hour delay or a yeah. three hour delay, you know. Just like give me, give me a second to sober up. Like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, maybe is that all that's required? Yeah. Um, I don't know whether a month, uh, particularly because uh, I know it's been a topic of discussion for celebrants for years. But like the one month's notice, like, and like how I'm trying to trip up ChatGPT with one month ahead of um, May 30, 2024. Uh, it, like, there's confusion there. It would be easier for us 30 days. Just you, you just count the numbers, you know. <laughs> um, so whether it's a number of days, whether it's a number of hours, I don't know what the correct answer is, but I think it needs to be adjusted to suit modern expectations. Um, we, we have the, the third is, longest notice period in the world. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we, we we make good decisions as Australians these days, you know. We we can make good decisions to get married to the right person. Plus also celebrants are burdened um, with the responsibility to really check for the both people are consenting. Yeah, uh, totally. You know, so anyway, I think the safeguards are there to reduce the notice to at, at worst seven days, maybe mm-hmm. it's three days. I don't know. I think it's three um, in New Zealand, right? It is. Yeah. 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 And in New Zealand, the notice, you kind of give the notice to the marriage office and the celebrant can do it for you. Yeah. So yeah. if um if Sarah, you're a celebrant in Queenstown and I'm coming across to Queenstown, I can be like, hey Sarah, I want to get married in three days. And you go to the marriage office and go, hey guys, Josh wants to get married in three days. And they're like, all right, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Interesting. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just I think I think all these things need to be looked at. But I also am well aware of the fact that I have got blind spots. Um uh, metaphorically, my eyesight is perfect. Uh, <laughs> so I would like to open up our emails. Hello at celebrant.institute. Um, if you think I'm wrong, if you think there's things we haven't mentioned or if there's things we have mentioned that should have some further context added to it, add it to the list. We're going to take it to the um, to the community. We'll form what we believe is like this is our kind of request list and we'll get it to the members of parliament and see if we can't get the marriage act changed and we're right now to accept like wild informing ideas so if you've got something that's bugged you about the marriage act send it to us um there's a lot of times when people send me things and i explain to them why that won't change and why it can't change and it's often something that they haven't thought about and that's okay too we're we're super keen for blue sky ideas here um, because we're, you know, we're keen to modernise this as much as we can. Yeah, because yeah. that's our job here at the Celebrant Institute. We just want the Celebrant Industry to be the best place to work. And one of the uh, biggest parts of the Celebrant Industry is this old marriage act. Let's make it better. Totally. Sarah, I, I reckon that sounds like a podcast. podcast. Yeah. 
Nice. Mm. That was awesome. Got a lot Thank in you very that much for uh, joining me. Yeah. You indeed. And uh, I hope everybody has enjoyed that. As Josh mentioned, you can hit us up at hello at celebrant.institute at any time. You will find podcast episodes at celebrant.fm or in your favourite podcast app. Uh, and we're on the socials and uh, you can hit us up whenever you like. Mm-hmm.